And I must say that if the zombie apocalypse did happen, I would very much consider taking shelter in a mall. Man, I mean, wouldn't I go in the fucking woods? Um, that sounds like a bad idea. Why? There's no dead people. There's no people there to turn into zombies. Well, they're they're gonna. If walk. I was a zombie, I'd be like, I want to eat someone. Where am I gonna go? Oh, people like the mall. I'll go there. Once you kill all the zombies in the mall, you just close off the mall. You've got all the resources from all the stores. Re- Shout for them again in the movie. You are now listening to Good Bad or. Bullshit. Hello and welcome to the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast, the podcast where three gorgeous dudes with intelligent opinions discuss a topic at random and uh, pretty much decide if it's good, bad, or bullshit. We're also modest. Um, my name is Crofton Steers. I'm the men's speed stick of this podcast, if you will. With me is the old spice of this podcast. I'm talking about Mike Hodgins. Mike, how are you? I think, wouldn't that be like organic salt rub that like hippies use? Whatever. And, of course, the Axe body spray of this podcast. I'm talking <laughs> about Bo Schwartz. Welcome, Bo. There's the setup. Uh, I'm good. I feel like that's a compliment, but it feels like it was meant to be an insult. But uh, it was accomplice salt. Yeah, no. that's what it was. Complete accomplice salt. So, Bo, Mike, you got off easy there. I did. Well, it's funny. Old Spice. Like I don't wear any like scented products, but in this house that I <laughs> house that I was renovating, there was a uh, Except for probably, your dirty underwear. <laughs> no, no. A, let me finish. There yes. was a probably. Uh, 40-year-old bar of soap I found that was by Pierre Cardin, who was big in the, like, 70s and 80s. Okay. And I can't say his name without thinking of George Costanza's dad in Seinfeld when he had a tie. He was like, it's a Pierre Cardin! Anyways, <laughs> and, and then I used this soap, and my wife was like, you smell really good lately. But now the soap is gone, and I'm back to smelling like nothing. And it was probably <laughs> illegal. It's like full of chemicals. Your skin's burning. You've got rashes all over. No, like, yeah. Bankrupt, and they tested it on all types of animals, so let, you could tell it would. Even let me safe. let me predict the next few, uh, like the the next episode of Michael's life is that his dad comes along and says this friend of his has uh, two cases of it in his attic. If only you just help him fix the fence, but then. Then you fix the fence, but then he won't cough up the soap. <laughs> this is a plot to a comedy show. Because you're like, happen. oh, man, My, it's a Pierre Cardet. So hard and, to find Andrea, Pierre Cardet soaps. Andrea, actually, she tried to find the soap. She liked it that much, the scent of the soap. And I'm like, oh, I guess Pierre Cardet is past his prime. You know what? I bet you on eBay they still have crates of it left over in Korea yeah, but, or I'm Thailand. Gonna buy or that on e- sure, I found it in an old house. I'm not going to buy it on eBay, though. Come on. She's probably like, you know, I thought about this Pierre Cardin soap and I desperately tried to get it. But then I realized, you know what? Any soap will do. (laughs) (laughs) And I went down and I got you some Dove and there makes a huge difference. Turns out you just smell filthy. No, it's more that I don't care about soap. So I go in and I always will buy Irish Spring, which is on which is always on sale. (laughs) So I'll be like, oh, it's eight bars of soap for three bucks or something. So I'll buy that. I'm like, it's soap. It'll clean me. No, but so you use soap. It's not to say that you never wash, actually. I'm like, I smell like an Irish spring. How could it be any better? I assume an actual Irish spring smells like vomit and whiskey. So do you not wear Super any slam on Irish people? Super racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I need to clarify this. Do you not wear deodorant at all? 
I no, I I don't wear deodorant, and I actually found that I used to wear deodorant for probably decades, and then I slowly started tapering it off. And initially, I was like, oh man, I need deodorant a lot. And then as I started tapering it off, I mean, I shower regularly. Uh, I was like, I don't. By regularly, do you mean four times a day? No, how stinky? I'm not that stinky. Yeah, some people are less stinky. It's true. Yeah, I'm not. I don't sweat that much, and I'm not that. I'm not that stinky. I used to be probably more stinky when I was a teenager. I, you know, you go on all those hormones, but yeah, I find usually like, and 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 only times I ever didn't. It felt like I needed it was when I worked in an office. Like less so now that I don't. Occasionally there'd be something and I'd be uncomfortable in some shirt and feel like I'm sweating because you're wearing some uncomfortable shirt. So I'd keep a stick of deodorant in my office and I'd use that periodically. But if you could do exercise. Yeah, I, I have a shower after exercise. All right. And good. that stuff's not generally good for you. It's true. I think the Axe body spray that I use on occasion, because I've really cut down has like butane in it. It's like I'm yeah. dousing myself with lighter fluid. Just you to know, be clear, he cut down due to cost, not due to will. <laughs> no, due to like, it's, there's no point in wearing it. I mean, I've been largely unemployed for the past little while, so it's not like I've had anywhere. I don't do it for me. I like to, I like people to think I smell nice, and that way they fall in love with me. Like, it happens in the commercials. But it's not and like that. When people smell that it's totally cloud like that. of... Yeah. That cloud of chemical <laughs> scent, it mostly, what? like, I find it nasty. And and, some, and the more you use, the less you smell it, so you use more. See, these people... I don't uh, know. If a, women and if men a, if who will be like... If a girl walks by, like, a girl walked by today, and I caught a whiff of whatever it was she was wearing, I found it absolutely... Into- I was like, oh, that smells good. I was yeah, like, I like... you also like Axe body spray, so you're into that. <laughs> so my opinion's invalid. You're an Axe racist. No, no, it's not invalid. It's more that you're, you're in the club of... of you know, chemical sense. Okay. Speaking, uh, speaking of clouds of chemical sense, uh, Mike, maybe it's time to start up the old random topic generator. <laughs> if only it one. spewed axe, it'd be better than the toxic fumes <laughs> that come out of it. But yeah, I'd love to have a random axe generator. That'd be great. All right, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. By the way, that segue across <laughs> nine out of ten is pretty damn good. <laughs> Uh, all right. The the topic today is collectibles and or collectors. I guess the people who collect the collectibles as well. They're all grouped in here. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good topic. It is. I think so. Like, I mean, when when uh when I was a kid, I was in scouts, beavers and scouts and stuff, and uh, they ha- they gave those badges uh, on the sashes. And uh, one of them, or Cubs, it must have been, it might have been Cubs. It, in Cubs, like I had the collector's badge, and at the time it was for collecting. <laughs> Collect a bunch of shit, and you get yeah. a badge. Well, it was the um, it, I I collected which it's something that seems really eighties, although people might still collect them. You know those big round pins that you put on shirts, like that you'd get them everywhere, like in the yeah. 80s. I had a jar full of those too. You know, like it's a big round, like macaron or something like that. Anyway, I had a bunch of them, including because I didn't partake. Those things you collected, 
there your rewards for accomplishing certain feats, right? As a young person. Well, the badge, oh. the badges, yes, like the badges which were sewed onto your sash and, and cubs. But th- this particular badge was called the collections collectors badge. Right. It's funny, I didn't catch that so, irony. So, in so, so, because because the current gamer culture achievements are a thing, and I was like, wait, my mind's just blowing right now because I'm like. It they had we had achievements gaming. before Xbox had achievement, and you got the achievement where if you collect all the achievements, you get the meta achievements, <laughs> and that's sure. the badge you got. You got the meta badge. I <laughs> found the one of the ironic badges as well was the sewing badge, which you get largely from sewing on a badge. Oh yeah, <laughs> look, I sewed it on. You get sewing badge, sew that on too. Thanks, I never uh, thought about that, but yeah, the collectors, it's like you're collecting badges anyway, so yeah. why would you get a collector's badge? Just for dopamine hit. What you train to love being rewarded. Hey, on a bit of a side note about Cubs, do you remember that the like the main Cub dude was called Akela? Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I thought that was jungle. his name. Yeah. Akela. It was my friend's mom was our Akela. And uh, and I just found out the other day because I went to see the the new uh, sort of live action Jungle Book that that's where it came from. Apparently, Baden Powell, whatever his name is, who started Cubs, liked the Jungle Book and he took the name Akela. Damn! I was well, like, what? What do you know? Well, I okay. I guess going back to collectibles, did you guys before we talk about the collectors and stuff like that? Uh, do, did any of you guys at any point in your life collect things? And if yes. so, what were they? I, oh. The earliest I can remember were wacky cards. Um, I still have wacky cards. <laughs> I don't know what wacky cards so, are. Man, you don't know wacky they're cards. Like, are? They're, they're like yes. garbage pail kids. Sort of. They're like they're better than garbage pail. They're kids. they're trading cards, but they're stickers. So basically, you could stick them on things, and they were like Mad Magazine style spoofs of products, like. Like instead of nerds, you know, like you'd have a picture of like a box of boogers and it'd be called like boogers or something like and um, just... I, I have I actually found a drawer at my parents' house, a drawer full of uh, hundreds of wacky cards that I collected as a kid. A and I stuck trove. a whole bunch of them in the back of my computer. There's right. one. It's like Super Mario Brothers 2, except it's called Stupid Moron Brothers 2. And it just is like a dumb picture sort of spoofing Super Mario Brothers. Inspired. Yeah, they are kind of dumb. <laughs> So like, uh, but but as a kid, you don't care. Like I had, I collected hockey stickers for my hockey sticker book. Like I mean, yeah. you, kids collect shit. Yeah, yeah. There was and, I had the uh, the first run of Marvel trading cards. Oh nice. yeah, um, I, had, I oh. had the complete collection of non foils. So I remember really? collecting all of those. Yeah, I think I actually still have it in my apartment somewhere. I have the complete Marvel whatever Man, nineteen. What I remember most about collecting those Marvel cards was the. When I got the Silver Sailor card or Silver Surfer, I was like, "Man, he's the best at everything." It was like his strength was max, speed was max. He was like the best. Yeah, uh, I I remember those cards for sure. Um, I wasn't. I maybe it's I just didn't have the money or whatever at that point to to collect those. But uh, so I, I know. Far, I'm like not to jump, in, but and so far it's like it's interesting just to think about this because when you were like, "Did you ever collect anything?" And it's like, okay, clearly kids are. Like a start point for collecting because not only those things that are products aimed at kids, I collected comics too. Uh, But I just I wonder how much of because my answer when you said did you guys ever collect stuff was like yeah I collected like everything when I was a kid. I had 
rock collection, rock collections that I found all over. And that's the thing. Leaf collections, collection. like everything, <laughs> like by bottle caps, pins, like you said. Uh, My brother all... had a shell collection. Yeah, you just collect everything. And it's like, and I wonder, is it kind of ingrained? Like, because as a kid, I remember, especially rocks being like, every time I go for a walk, there's a rail line near my house. I'd be like, oh, look at this rock. And for sure, I had other rocks similar to that, but I'd be like, this one's nice. I better put it in my collection. It's like, it's a rock. Like, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I liked rocks, but uh, my sister loved to actually collect little bugs. She had this little, like, plastic thing where you could put bugs in and they breathe. And she'd put spiders and butterflies in there and ants. And she'd just try to put all the bugs that she could in there. Coins. Yeah. I had a coin collection. Yeah, yeah. My my parents started to get me into coin collecting. I don't know why. Maybe give me a hobby, but it didn't stick. My... I, I the the my brother also. Both me and my brother, we got into like. There's berry picking near our near our house. Okay, there were like wild raspberries, and we would go and we'd pick them and make jam and shit with them. But like the especially my brother Dev would go out and do this and he would whenever we go on a family vacation he would like be picking feathers he'd be picking all sorts of different things so i think it's the same even though like you're obviously not making a collection of berries it's the same impulse to go out there and it's like accomplishing a task and, and filling up a, a series like if 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 somebody showed you a list of like say printed out numbers on your desk 1 to 10 but the 7 wasn't there and then, like, you know, you they they said that one of these three boxes has the seven in it. Like, people would be like, "Okay, uh, I, I'm going to open all of them. I need to get that seven and put it there." There are people that desperately need to fill those sort of like series and collections and stuff. It's like a an impulsive need. I'm not sure if everybody has it, but de- definitely some people have an excessive amount of it, like needy completionist. Bo has talked before to me about how. He has difficulties playing these open world video games because there's all these options. You can go off in so many directions and you and there's all these tasks and it's like do one of ten, you know, two of ten, three of ten, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So so he would be like, I can't I can't start playing this game or it's gonna be ridiculous because I absolutely have to complete all of these things, you know, where I can just I'm gonna do some of these, some of those. Yeah. But- Coming back to like the like clearly it seems like kids it comes naturally to, and not only is it like you know there's a merchandising aspect to it, but clearly like you know rocks or bugs or anything that a kid might find, it does make me wonder like is this related to like you know it's like humans being the hunter gatherers that we have like this impulse to when you go out someplace to be like oh I'll gather some stuff we don't need food really so you just gather whatever you find like I wonder if there's just something sort of ingrained. Well, my my question is based on so there's ingrained or there's trained because like my parents tried to get me into stamp collecting when I was in the when I was in, <laughs> why <That's>, I, <laughs> I don't know I don't know or when when I was in uh, maybe just to give kids something to do you know I can yeah. appreciate that more as a parent now when I went to scouts it's like this organizational system in which to get these badges and that sort of thing like I mean. A lot of it is encouraged at a young age, like, oh, yeah, oh, you've got to go see if you can find the rest, you know. Uh, um, I don't I don't know, like, uh, Mike, Mike could be right. It could be like sort of an, an ingrained thing or it could be part of it could be just trained. Yeah, I do wonder. I mean, but that's like, like so your initial question was like, 
did you used to collect stuff? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Like as a kid, tons of crap. But now I'm more of the opposite bent, whereas anything, even things – now, mind you, I did kind of – when I saw those wacky cards in that drawer, I was like, oh, I'm going to take these. But then I just stuck all the stickers like on my computer and around and I'm getting rid of it as a collection. And I think I still have a box of comics um, somewhere. Well, but when you're younger, like but, you're collecting the stuff, but it's diff- – like where we're headed with this conversation is going to be very different, right? Well, because, like, as an adult, I do not like to collect stuff. I I actively seek to avoid collecting anything, you know. And I'm happy about the fact that things like, um, like, like the movies and stuff like that are just streaming. I don't, you don't have to make a collection of your own stuff mostly anymore. You can just get them. I used to, like, buy books and stuff more and that was kind of a collection when i was younger in my 20s i'd be like oh i'd I'd buy books i liked and whatever but now i'm more like no no there's a library i do not want books i mean there's some i still have and love and i might occasionally buy a book but generally i'm like why would i want the thing i don't like i actively am trying to avoid all collections is but but that's anyways that's you you're more like a minimalist you'd have to admit though that that's probably less common. There are less people like you and more people that want collections and to collect stuff, right? Like, I mean, you know, going as adults. Yeah. And if I think of my, you know, and okay, you think, so there's collecting, like, you know, we talked about a bunch of things that are like specific hobby collections. um, uh, And sometimes those, you know, you could might make money out of them. I made fun of the stamp thing, but the, the guy who owned the house I live in, he made his living off of stamp trading. Like that's all he did was trade stamps. And I was like, I remember when I heard that, I was like, what? You can, you can make money stamp collecting as a profession. That seemed totally crazy to me, but it can lead someplace. But, but I guess, so the, the, then the, the extension of it is say hoarding uh, where people just, and that's like a defined kind of mental illness, but essentially that's collection of everything where where people are just like I collect everything I don't throw anything out and and so I think that that's the far end of the spectrum of collecting which is like again uh, a mental disorder uh, but it's just like it's the it's the the extreme of collecting so at what point is it like a, a, could it, is it a good thing or at what point because at that end of the spectrum I think it's pretty identifiably a bad thing like holding yeah. not good I read a book actually, this is years ago, by Zadie Smith called The Autograph Man. And it's about this guy who's just obsessed with autographs. And there's, it made me realize that there's this giant culture out there because while the book is fiction, it, it had to do with like, you know, something that existed, which are these autograph chasers. And like some celebrities sign a bunch of autographs and then some are really restrictive putting out their autograph there because there's this giant black market of autographs uh that go around right and so people became there there's you know a group that was obsessed with making money some of them making money some of them just having a collection uh, of autographs and it becomes it and it becomes their life now i agree with mike that there's definitely negative connotations to that but people feel there's so many people on the planet and they fill their lives with purpose in in a myriad of different ways and I'm not necessarily sure that, like, you know, you pick something to – it's not great to obsess about anything, to be honest. But, like, what is so bad about being, like, 
focusing on, say, collecting something or being dedicated to that as opposed to, you know, being dedicated to reading books or entertaining oneself or whatever. Like feeding the poor. Or yeah. Well, I mean, the feeding the <laughs> feeding the poor is an active like volu- volunteer. Yeah, like volunteer. I'm just comparing leisure activities, like somebody who's obsessed with collecting versus somebody who's say obsessed with movies or somebody who's obsessed with books. Like obsession is obviously not a great thing, but the collecting is just like, you know, it's just one sort of shade of that. Really, like it's not in and of itself necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. I mean, it, it all comes down to, I think, because I think you can collect things if you have an attachment to it. Like, if you are passionate about whatever it is. Like, it's, it's, it's funny that certain forms of it are acceptable and certain ones aren't. Like, if you think of someone who's like an art collector, I mean, they might, you know, you might consider them pretentious or whatever, but if they're collecting art, then ha- owning those things matters, I think, to someone who has a collection. Which is a, it's a type of collectible, original paintings, and they're very rare. Some of them are well, they're all unique, really, because a copy is generally worthless for art collecting. <laughs> they're they're very unique, and and so I think I think in that case, that type of collecting is kind of like there's probably a thrill of the hunt, and there's the trophy case. I mean, hell, even hunting can be collecting in this well, weird way where you you know you hunt a deer and you mount the head on your wall. It's it's sort of why keep it? Why not make a coat and make eat the meat and not keep all that crap? Like, why do you keep it? Right? It, like, the, the art, I, that had crossed my mind too. Art collecting is something that, again, is like, <clears throat> you know, social, it's socially acceptable even to be sought after potentially. But the interesting thing about that that I think sort of different is that that's essentially um, people who have wealth putting it into something that is either a gamble at gaining wealth or is a place to store wealth. So like if you're a billionaire and you buy an original Picasso at $70 million, you're just putting money out of taxable flowing around and into uh, something like that. So I don't like though someone might have an extensive art collection. I think that's sort of akin to someone having an extensive like portfolio of stocks and bonds. Like, you know, whereas well, well, I think- well, no, like a high risk, a very like the highest risk form of investment. Like this Picasso might be worth a hundred million next year, or my house might catch on fire and it's a turd. Well, yeah, it's true, so, but yeah. no, but th- those things are also they're also insured for the value. Well, sure, sure. You know? I don't. Okay. I don't disagree with what Mike's saying on, on on this sometimes, but I think that if you're in the, if you're in a lot of these things, like if you could buy an action comic number one featuring the first appearance of Superman, it's and same, yeah, like it, that's an investment it, of it, money. It is an investment of money, but like I'm I'm not convinced that you're doing that to store your money or invest in that. I, I'm the people I think who are often chasing those are, are people are enthusiasts who, who want, who want these collections and there is public value. Like what is a museum? If not a public collection, like it's owned or managed by the government maybe. And this is, this is where the issue in Indiana Jones is saying like, it belongs in a museum. He's, he's the alternative is that it goes into somebody's private collection and and there are people that have like all these you know uh, maybe antiquities or whatever um 
in their collection and 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 they just get to look at them and show their family members and maybe have private showings and and I could see the negative of that cuz they're taking it away from the from from people but but when when a collection is made public in some way or accessible it feels like that there's a service added if somebody's gone out and tried to collect all these pieces and then is exhibiting them and that there's value added like you guys in your stupid cards there with the with the nerds jokes from the 80s like at one point those you you could exhibit those or have a bunch of them and, and and have people come in and see them and there would be you know the effort that you put to to keep them or preserve them or whatever there there may be there may be value there for but for future generations there, there can be personal pleasure in just the collecting too no matter even if they're rich you might be rich and be like man i can get all this art and i'm actually really digging art and i'm i get to have this and i get to look at it. like it's mine uh, yeah, I, so... I know, but but like so, I guess I was just trying to separate out things like collecting clearly worthless things, like say bottle caps or or rocks that are, you know, what things you find versus because even comics, like when you said, and it's totally true, like col- like you know, if I say big C collectibles, things with cash value, it, it still is a store of money, and and there's the possibility that. Uh, if you buy an action comic number one, it's probably going to be worth more in 10 years than it is when you bought it, in all likelihood. And I remember when I was a kid, <clears throat> it was like in this, this era of comic books where, um, like, I think, I, I really think of it as like the t- Tom, was it? it was a Tom McFarlane who wrote Spider-Man, who was doing Spider-Man at the time. And and he later described it as the comic books at the time as being junk bombs. And basically how they were releasing. I remember when, when, when that rebooted Spider-Man that he was the artist of came out, there was like the gold cover one and the silver cover one. And I remember like I get like two silver color covered ones and they were going for like 25 bucks a piece like a couple years later. And I had like three bronze ones and I was all like I clearly was as a kid being like these are going to be worth money someday because everyone knows that like, you know really old comics can be worth a lot because there's very few of them, but then they're pumped out. It's a number one. Yeah, it was exactly being number one. I have that comic. I have, I have the gold one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone does. That's why they're worth nothing. But the (laughs) the funny thing about that too, is that especially with publications is that you may have an identical second print, but you don't have the first print and the first print's the one that's worth something. Yeah. Not the mass distributed second print. And it did also occur to me, like, I remember at the time as a kid buying comic books that I clearly thought were not good because they would be, like, number one. Like, a new a new issue would come out and be like, oh, like, I remember buying, like, three copies of this. What was it even called? God, I can't even remember. It was, like, some guy was kind of had bird wings. It was just really was clearly tech- a crappy uh, comic. Didn't go anywhere. But I remember thinking, it's a number one. You never know. It could this could be the new Superman in twenty years. So I buy three copies of it. But that's like investing, right? And 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 as a kid, my mind was like, this will be worth money someday. And I and I approach cards maybe that way too. Yeah. I think part of that though is that you've got um, you've got people who become adults like we talked about the appeal of collecting to kids these kids become adults the the adults want to keep collecting but suddenly like collecting rocks off the beach or or feathers like my brother would collect are is not socially acceptable or whatever you need to turn your collection or your collecting 
into something that is is more adult and defendable and involving complexity and money and all that sort of thing. So baseball cards, hockey cards, wine. comic books, wine, uh, stamps, coins, uh, like all the so all, all these I sort a, of things. Well, VHS tapes. I got my uncle Eve who loves movies. Hi, Uncle Eve and Peggy. They're great people. Love them. Very nice. They have a gigantic VHS collection. It's like fills a wall. And they're like, oh, look at all the movies we have. I'm like, throw out those fucking VHS tapes. No, it's trash. So, like, the thing is, like, you can collect socially acceptable things, too. But well, No, I know. I'm just saying that, like, I think Mike Mike's taking the point of view that a lot of these people that are investing are, 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 are considering – because as kids, we're all, we get caught up in the money thing. We're like, oh – because we're excited about money and and we want to like feel like that our the investments we're making in our comic books that we're really just buying for the stories is actually also a future investment into some sort of financial right. portfolio. But adults, I think, just want to feel like it's okay to be able to collect the things that they're collecting, you know. And and um, I'm I'm not necessarily convinced that all of them are like looking for safe havens to store their money. I think they're they're no, more like no, because, big kids. Because speaking as someone who buys his fair share of nerd shit, I don't ever buy them with. Not that I would define myself as a collector, but I like small collect. Okay, and, and this is a, a tangent we can take the conversation into a little bit too. Is that there are small collections and there are large collections. For example. If you see behind me, I know on the audio podcast listeners won't see it, but, or, but I have a bunch of talisman board games, many of which I bought myself, some of which you guys bought me as a birthday present. Thank you. I have a near complete collection of talisman fourth edition stuff, but I didn't, I, I'm, I'm not saving it to make money. You know, like, I just think it's cool and I want to own it all because we live in a consumer society and having all the associated products when you're a fan is, feels like a fun thing to do. But sometimes it gets carried away, and I'm thinking of, like, magic cards. I'm thinking of, um, what's the big toys right now? I can't, it's not oh. Skylanders, but, like, there's a lot of adults who buy, like, Lego. Like, you could you could make a city with with your Lego collection. Like you could just buy 100 houses and fill it with your Lego collection. Like, there's no end to what kind of Lego you could own. And so unless you're curating your own collection to have only the meaningful things Lego style, you know, you could end up having a lot. And let me tell you, as someone who sold and junked his magic card collection, which weighed about as much as I do, it was 300 pounds of boxes at least, that it's like having weights around you in terms of your life. Like the more and more junk that you have to say that you own was actually a stressor for me. It was really irritating. I was glad I got rid of them. And I wonder, I wonder for people who collect that way, I wonder how it makes them feel to to have to own all of that stuff, but want to, but not for the future investment of it, just because they're passionate about it. But it's basically a consumer product in, in a lot of cases. And and speaking of shelves behind us, um, the the one behind me used to be full of of tons and tons of uh, games and DVDs uh, and this sort of thing. Now. My wife is and I are in the process of trying to declutter a bit, and uh, and part of it involves her trying to convince me to be to say goodbye to things and uh, and and there's something I and I agree with Bo and I don't know how in, how this ingrains itself if it's if it's sales if it's it, what it is but like 
you want to you want to surround yourself sometimes with with symbols and images of things of things you like and i have on my shelf behind me the v the vhs uh indiana jones trilogy i also have it on blu-ray are you okay. able to watch that VHS copy, by the way? No, I don't have a VHS player. <laughs> so I it's just a paperweight. V- it's a pile of plastic. So you're, you just keep collecting. it around your house. No, it's, well, it's it's not just the collecting it, collecting it. It's that it's that it is larger. It's larger. It it's like an Indiana Jones accessory in my house now. When I look at it and I see Harrison Ford smiling with his hat, I'm like, that makes me feel good because I like Indiana Jones. And like by surrounding yourself with stuff that you like, um, it can make you feel positive. It's just that it can spiral drastically out of control, right? And so you have to, you know, you have to purge. Oh. And I think that there was a period now, Mike was talking about the streaming media era that we're in, and that it is great, but but there was a period of time. It used to be like if you missed a show on TV, that was it. Now then there was a, a period which really when you think about human history will be a blink of an eye, which was when they released the series like the seasons on on DVD. And that was the only way you could wa- you could watch them, and that was really like cool. You, the, I think the the, uh, the pinnacle was like season one of Lost when it came out. Everybody seemed to own that on on DVD, and uh, it, but now everything's on Netflix, everything's on Hulu, everything's streamed online, or you can buy electronic versions. And so, like, we have every season of Twenty Four on DVD. Like, we got into watching Twenty Four during that period where DVDs where DVDs were important, but now it's like, Jesse convinced me. She's like, why are we keeping this? Like, we don't need it. It's on Netflix. We can watch <laughs> it right now on Netflix. Would you even get up to put one of those DVDs in? And, and part of me, it's like, it's weird. It's like, I have a visceral, visceral or physical reaction. And you talk about these hoarders and stuff. And I'm, I don't consider myself a hoarder by any means, but, but I can sort of understand where that comes from. And it feels like the toxic side of collections. Uh, mm. I, I mean, I know how that feels. <clears throat> and I think that, um, like I was ra- raised by, like I mentioned my parents being borderline hoarders. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think the deal with hoarders are, or, or that feeling is that when you, um, uh, like, wh- like when you have all this stuff, and then and then you're like, you look at it and be like, but it's not garbage, you know? Like that's, I think that's how you you can. I mean, some hoarders do keep garbage too, but you slip down that slope because you look at all this stuff, you have it, and you're like, well, it's it's not it's not trash. Someone could use it. Someone could watch it, and, and pretty much anything like that. And it's it's an easy way to. Um, to inadvertently start collecting, but yeah, I, I I do think that I've realized that so much, basically for me, anyways, as an as an adult, uh, stress has been associated with dealing with all the crap I own, and a lot of that is like stuff that used to be like stuff I might collect, and just to have to sort it, to have to store it, to have to move it, to have to clean it, uh, and then to just see it, it's just like it has no appeal to me anymore. And, um, yeah, so, so I don't know, I'm, I'm getting past it. And I really think it does sort of, is sort of associated with, um, um, uh, minimalism to, for me to a certain extent, 
and I'm a long way from a minimalist, but I, I think feel that's like... the thing is we're being a bit of an echo chamber because I think on some level, except in Croft and his owned it a little bit, we were purgers. But like, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to feel like if there, if the person listening right now who is someone who has 567 He-Man action figures and all the versions of it and is passionate about it. I'd hate to equivocate him, even though he has what we consider a lot to a hoarder. I think hoarder, hoarding is a psychological problem. I think someone with yeah, a passion different. for having a big collection is not hoarding. Even like I feel like that's that there's no, a I, step that's you know you can't just equivocate those. Two. I I agree with that because I do yeah. think again I, my my thing about hoarding was that that's collecting everything like garbage. It's where you're unable to not collect at something. And that's clearly a problem. But uh, so when we were talking about this, because a, a couple of things came up that I thought were were quite interesting. Because uh, initially, when I when this topic came, I was like, "Oh, okay, collecting. I'm past it. I used to collect all kinds of crap. I'm past that. It's like you know." And I was, I don't know, I still don't know where I'm going to land on this. But then, so a very interesting one. I think Crofton brought up, which is like museums, you know, or public collections, which are so which are important. And I think most people would say those things have value to society or to people so i was kind of like thinking in my head i'm like what okay so how do you break collections down and then so i'm like okay collections of historical value uh and i think there are some collections that are done for stores of wealth which might be wine is an example which is i'd be like arguably for historical that arguably less important so i do think there's a lot of like the just monetary or people just putting their money someplace and so, so I think historical significance, uh, money sink, mm-hmm. uh, merchandising, which is which is a whole. You know, we've all I think said we've as young people. I know I've been bought into some of those merchandising collectible type things where you're like, I got to get the whole set because right. someone put it out there. And then I think also just general interest stuff where people are like, I like this stuff. It has significance to me. It may not ever be worth any money, but I like it and and I enjoy displaying it and maintaining it so i mean do you, do you think I, I missed any of those like because I was, I was trying to be like hey it does it is a quite uh, you haven't categories to that that i thought d- there definitely is a lot of categories to it um but i i know what you're trying to do because i've seen it on other episodes which is try and be like you know you have a strong opinion perhaps negative about one part of collecting but then there's all these other parts and you're like god this is annoying because it complicates things i wish i could just well, separate is, i'm this. trying to understand I, the whole topic I, no I know, I, I know but i'm just saying it it would be really nice to be able to separate separate them but we can't really so we we look when we look at it as a whole we have to you have to be like is most of the stuff that you just so conveniently categorized positive or is most of that stuff you know at negative, what's the total balance? And if it's more of a mis- mushy middle, well, we have a verdict for that too. So, um, I, I but I do I do find I do find it troublesome. Just for the listeners, I shared I shared a link with the fellows here while we were talking, and it's about this guy. I read this article a couple. It's a couple of years back. It's about this guy who essentially is determined to collect every copy of the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock on VHS, just the VHS version, to be clear. And I know he has a story behind it and all this, but it doesn't really matter to me. It just seems ridiculous. Like it's, It seems unfathomable that somebody would be so obsessed yeah, with this, this sort of like thing. This seems like a psychological de- 
like and, it's but, not but a collection if you have 500 copies of the same identical well, that's product exactly right bo and that's where i get like it's it's the, there's the scary and dark and obsessive sides uh of of collecting that is what disturbed me the most because i think there is a tremendous dark side to it and i think it's really easy to laugh and 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 make fun of like guys like this or or others who are just like um you know, even that that Zadie Smith book I read uh, that I mentioned earlier, again fictitious, but gives you an example. Like the whole concept of it was was somebody that his life was essentially being torn apart based on his obsession, and that he made it. He found a way to make it into his career, and that's that's normally a positive with a lot of things. But I do think that, like going back to what I said about how both self self assessed himself when 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 deciding what video games to play and realized that these ones where he would have to check things off a list or complete tasks like the completionist part of him uh, goes goes nuts i think that that's with collections it's the desire to complete things like to put to have a complete collection you know and um and and i think everybody has sort of a positive response response to to that like if i had a, a full collection of something i'd look at it and be like oh that's pretty sweet i've got all of them you know fits perfectly um but i think that that can also you can lose control and all and it it can it can have a negative uh negative outcomes i think like i don't know how much you guys got more on collections i don't want to I force think, verdicts I here think but i know I, where i'm gonna land now so okay yeah I've, I've got a pretty strong sense too i i I just, don't talk just because we haven't well, I, talked. I have enough. one other thing because we talked yeah, a lot about the negative sides, and and I saw you brought your Indiana Jones over to show us on the on the camera here what that looked like, and I just wanted to give that a moment to. This is this is a VHS, and this would be the Blu-ray. You and, see how much thinner it is because so. But it's not about the size, right? It's about what it means to you. When surrounding yourself with with collectibles. And this is the thing. I don't have a VHS player. I can literally not play these right now. And so it makes all the sense in the world to get them out of my house. But at the same time, it's like this nice big box of Harrison Ford smiling at me. You know, so, there's no, there's no crystal skull in it. Oh, I just you just it. broke it. I just broke it. Well, <laughs> I you, know, you know what you should do, Crofton, is take that box apart and make it into a nice uh, piece of art, you know, laminate it or something or, or set it under glass. You know, fold it out nicely yeah. and ditch the cassettes because that's all garbage. Like, turn it into something you know unique. Yeah. I'm sure Jesse would love some Indiana Jones not worth framed money. art on the walls of the house. Do you it. know, you're you're right. You're right, actually, Mike. Like, if there's something that you care about that much and you want to surround it and, and, that, and surround yourself with it, then maybe there's other ways that you can do it. And and my impetus for collecting things is or, or holding on to things is different than collecting. You know, it's it's more to surround myself with these things that I like um, to have. You know, to have them conveniently nearby, so I don't feel like I'm losing them forever. Even though that's never going to be the case in this well, and society be- we live in. And not to be a big, um, what do you call it, Debbie Downer, as I often am. Uh, but, you know, people always say it's with anything, wealth or anything you own, you can't take it with you, right? So it's like, you know, I've thought about that with things that I that I had collected and carried around for years and moved or whatever to different places and be like, and what do you do? You keep accumulating more and more and more until you're what, an old person who becomes, you know, and then you have all this crap and then maybe your kids if you have any are like you know dad i 
not really into your VHS uh, Sandra Bullock movie collection. You're like, what? But I spent years curating it. And be like, and then it'd be like, I just, you know, I'm not going to, we're going to give it away. And then, but, uh, and then you die. You, you know, what, like, you can't take it with you. So it has to be a kind, in some ways, a, a kind of a thing that you, you have to enjoy it in the, present and and this is something I, I think i've learned as i'm trying to move towards minimalism is to get away from nostalgia yeah. i think nostalgia is a dangerous component of the bad collecting yeah well it's one aspect i think there's different approach because look i have a pile of books here these are all books i've mostly read i haven't read them recently i feel like every book for me is a is, is a i'm not a big book reader these days but when i was an avid reader it was like the kill. Like that's my trophy. I read the book. I got through it. Maybe I'll read it again. But this is a part of me now. I want to keep that book with me. Like it means something. And it, it I, like, and I totally get what you're saying. It's like you read it. It's nostalgia. You're still gonna retain the memories. Maybe you'll find the book again. Drop it off at the library. Donate it. Give it to someone else to read. Like, why are you keeping it? But there, there is a dry. Like that is my book collection. And everything there, for the most part, means something to me. And I, and I think I'm just restating what Crofton already said with the no, movies because it's the yeah. same thing. Like I, I will, I will add one thing to this. Realize that aggravated me just now, and it's funny because I I do it as well to a certain extent. But I know people in particular. There's some people who make conscious efforts to do this, which is essentially display books or display collections of things it could be you know anything to to you know portray a persona or like art collecting yeah well very very much i know what you mean it's like everyone's got a copy of like no logo and you put it on your bookshelf and you're like yeah i read naomi Klein's no logo in 1999 (laughs) or whatever i'm smart but but there's yeah there's i find like you see it with like Somebody who reads, for example, all the classics of like, oh, here's some Faulkner and some, some uh, you know, uh, Fitzgerald, and yeah. they're they're all on the shelf like these classics, some Hemingway, and meanwhile, meanwhile, the the what they're reading on the daily, if they are at all, is like more trashy stuff, but they wouldn't display it because you know, they don't they want they want to be associated sure. with the books yeah. that they're just like, okay, collection. Here's a question to, from Bo. Bo. When was the last time you read a book? Uh, it was the Dungeon Master's Player Guide and, and okay, I don't Dungeon Master that Guide a book, and Player Book. A book. That's a book. It no, paper that's with covers a on it. Instruction manual for a game. <laughs> Just tell me a book, a proper book. Well, can it be nonfiction? Yeah, you said the you Dungeon Master's Guide. It's not no, no. Why, are, why are you shaming Bo about I'm books? Yeah, to shame look at that. I'm See, you're putting point. pressure on me so that when you come over, I've got to hide the D and D books and put the Faulkner and Prowse or Prue up and and my Hemingway. Well, see, no, but that's my point because I I went through phases where I read a lot of that stuff too. You know, I read I read a lot of those classics and I liked them. And for a while, I did keep the books. So, like when Bo talks about that, I'm like. I can totally identify because I, I did the same thing and I'd be like, I want to keep this book. But more recently, I've realized once again that like this, all these books are in a library that I can go and reference anytime. A lot of these classics you can read online. You know, I don't have to own them. And so for me, the, the only books that I keep now or that I mean to keep now are ones that either I think uh, I think someone I know might want to read 
that I may wish to reread. And I know there are not, I'm a slow reader and there are not many books that I'm going to reread if I'm honest with myself or anything that's a reference. Like I have a bunch of books on writing that are actually useful reference books and I'll keep those around because you can, you can look through them, you know, but like I plowed my way through some Dickens books and I was just because I was like, I should read some Dickens and I'm like, I'm never going to reread Nicholas Nickleby. It's not going to happen ever. (laughs) I do not need a copy of my goddamn bookshelf. I've read read all of Henrik Ibsen. Mind you, I liked his stuff, but part of it was to be you know i was like oh i i like henrik ibsen screw these new theater guys yeah, you know, right? yeah. but uh yeah like okay this is the most recent thing i've read here's my knights of sidonia manga collection manga <laughs> which but i got see, a while ago but i'm proud of owning yeah. my 13 books of manga showing there's, us pictures there's yeah. three more yeah for the for the audio listeners i'm just showing off a giant stack of thir- 14 books because i accidentally bought copy one twice it's a collector's edition yeah, once I didn't do it for that reason. I just bought it twice, but I'd like to give it away to someone who'd read it. But every time I bring it up to you guys, you're like, "You're an idiot watching anime." <laughs> I mean, and I really do think that there are a few. There are a few things that that you know. It's like if you know you're going to reread something, because there's still a couple of of comic collections that I have, and I know I will reread. Uh-huh. Like for example, uh, uh, Bone. You know, I have that. Oh complete yes, it's really great. I know I'll reread it, and I really look forward to seeing if my kid will read it when he's the right age you know and there's a couple of things like that where you think like okay maybe again i'd be like if someone else could use it but just to collect it for my own purposes yeah. i've been more and more away from like i have access because we live in the age of access to stuff right like you can get stuff so many ways electronic library that again i'm just like i don't need to keep it mm-hmm. and i just and i feel like to just and i was making this point before about nostalgia and i think that's a little bit I'm not, again, I'm bored. This is not a judgment. I did the exact same thing, and and I'm not saying anyone should be minimalist. You don't. There's no re- reason in this society to be, if it, unless it does something for you personally. But I do think sometimes that when you collect things like books, it's kind of a nostal- nostalgia thing. You look at the book and you say, "Oh, I remember reading. I remember where I was when I was reading that book, or 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 what phase of life I was in." And 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 as much as I'm like. I, I just feel like nostalgia can be this weird place that you don't want to spend too much time in. It's nice to yeah. relive the past sometimes, but, it, you know, but be, be here's, present. Here's the counter argument, too, because I think that in particular our generation, which, you know, we have the Netflix and we have a wide there are reprints of classics. There's a wide availability of content. We don't come from a period where where books are being burned or they're very rare, like books or films or like a lot of the stuff that we do collect. Because um, I know I was talking with somebody who was from, uh, I can't remember, it was Turkey, I believe. But, but like the notion like that anyone would get rid of a book ever was very different because they're, valid, they're just available everywhere whenever you want on your e-read or anything like that. And, and f- there could be an argument to be made on the part of a collector to say, sure, there's an abundance of it now. But wouldn't it be great to have whatever wonderful thing, I'm stamps or whatever it is I'm collecting. Like I'm taking care of having these things, and these things will be of value to future generations. And well, and and just because the kids say like, "What a pile of trash! Let's sell it and we get more inheritance," doesn't actually mean that what the person's trying to do by collecting is any less important. But, yeah, know? but so just to, so I was thinking about this either, and this has helped me got to where I'm going to land on my verdict. But okay. okay, so thinking of like, and these are the ones, and again, it was a really good 
point by Croft and was a whole like of historical significance. And think mm-hmm. of like great works of art, you know, anything you might see in a history museum, things that are like as a society, as a collective world, we do not want to forget these things, whatever they are. Uh, and are they of importance? And it made me think like, okay, so say like artwork, for instance, um, and just say like, okay, a painting like Guernica, if you know this famous Picasso painting, it's like this painting he did for war. It's quite powerful. It's this huge canvas. It well documented. You can Google it. You'll see a picture of it. It's all over the place. It's in historical, you know, art history, well documented. If the original goes up in smoke, you know, and no one can look at the original again, but it's preserved in works that have studied it uh, in anywhere on the internet, other copies. Like, does that original have its own actual value aside from a, a, a place to hold wealth? Or has it, as long as we remember, we know what it is, we can look at the image of it, uh, that, it's, that its contribution to art history is still known – is like the value the same, you know, like if the original was gone, does it really matter? As long as we remember it, it's documented, we know what it looks like, you know, so does the original of a thing actually need to exist for its impact to still be felt? And I would say probably not, you know, it's like, it's like, if all, if all, if all reference to it was erased, then that would be a loss to humanity with so many things. But I would say it depends on what it is. Probably. Uh, but you know, and maybe someone say like when you're standing in front of it, it's just different than looking at a picture in a textbook. And that may be true. Um, but especially for buildings, like if the pyramids no longer exist, but we had all the, we had all the records of them. I mean, like the pyramid is an interesting, is an interesting example, but like, you know, at some point they won't exist as you know, if you have an actual understanding of geological time, if you ever think about that stuff, it's just like. They, they won't be here at some point. They'll be dust. Everything will be. And, you know, <laughs> we'll all be dead. There's ways. We're to... all going to take a dirt nap one day. Uh, that's a famous quote from no, a famous thinker of our time, Michael Hodgins, 2016. Okay, look, I'm ready for verdicts. I don't believe you. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I think I want to collect more opinions before we go on. See what it did there? All right. in the cart man so why do you keep holding up that little women book is that i'm just showing it off i'm a feminist (laughs) it's a collector's edition is it a work of feminism i'm sure it is i'm sure it is because you read it in the title what would you rather be called little men mike god there is a book called little men crofton Um, i know you know all about that wouldn't you mike (laughs) oh now the homophobic comments anyways i'm only Um, thinking of the winona Ryder movie which i've seen several times for the but, record, that comment was about penis size. But, anyway, who's going to go first? I will. All right. Okay. Wait a second. I'm the one who's going to. Yeah, you go second. Show. You go second. So I'll, go I'll second. close. All right. I don't think it really matters. If it does. It, it matters. matters. Okay. Collections are bullshit. Uh, whoa. And I, I mean, I think my, my last kind of point about the actual existence of, of, of a specific thing uh, and knowledge of it, I think in some ways knowledge of it, of the thing is enough. And then, so the museum point, the public collections thing, 
is a really excellent one about collections. But when you think about who curates those things, would you call them collectors? I know there's private collectors that are into that kind of stuff, but I generally tend to think of those things as like historians. A historian is a, I know Crofton wants to say, Mike, I, this is exactly what I was saying, but it's a true. If you're a historian, like if you're a historian and someone says, what do you do for a living? You'd be like, a collection. You wouldn't say that. You'd be like, no, I study the past and I look for artifacts. And that's what people do. There are, but it's, that's different than collecting a bunch of shit now and being like, I need to like, I need in my house to display all this stuff in my house. That's, I just think that those things are different. And people that study the past are immensely important. And what what they do is document it in many ways so that if originals or if the collections are destroyed, uh, the memory of them and the impact of them is not. And I think that's why a historian is different than a collector who's just like, I got all this stuff worth a bunch of money. And I think that that's kind of BS to people that are just like, oh, it's going to be worth money someday. If that's why you're buying something, I'm like, you know, and I landed on bullshit. I don't know that I'd ever say it's bad, but... I would just say anyone who just likes collecting stuff because they like it. I mean, I would say maybe, you know, check your materialism a little bit. I don't, you know, where I stand on that. Check past episodes. But if you like it, you know, whatever. More power to you, I guess. But, yeah, it's a bullshit thing. <laughs> okay. All right, Crofton, let's uh... – Let's see I'll go next. I was just, and here. I don't. I'm not gonna because I want to argue part points of Mark, Mike's thing. The only thing I'll say is that museum things are called museum collections, and and it's because they're collected. And they're put together by the collectors, and I they're put together by a by, curator. That's different. Who curates the collection, and and it's just verbiage to make the collecting sound more adult and fancy. You're well, drinking the okay. Kool Aid. Okay. Okay. If, if you wanted to argue about my thing, let me just come in because I was at a museum today, yeah. and there was a whole bunch of dinosaurs on display. But guess what? They weren't the actual fossils. They were uh, like plastic uh, forms of them that looked identical. So who the hell cares? Because you know, it was you went in there. It's impressive. You get to learn about dinosaurs. You're not looking at the actual bones someone dug out of the ground. I learned things I didn't know. My kid was like, "Whoa, look, dinosaurs!" It, it wasn't the original. So I there, know, but you shattered, Crofton. No, it's not at all. That's uh, they don't call them the dinosaur bones collection. They you you would go like a collection would be like a, a suits of armor, for instance, like that. Anyway, anyway, and if they were all if they're all historically accurate replicas, does it make any difference? No, if they, they're originals, I'm talking about. Yeah, and I'm just saying if they were if they were accurate replicas, you wouldn't know the difference. See, You'd still my, be able to understand what they meant. My point here is, is it, I sort of had you pegged earlier as as uh, wanting to 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 you you recognize something was valid, and you're like, I need to find a way to separate this from what Stop I actually me and what, I, what I actually want. And then you did exactly what I thought you were going to do. So I, I just felt I needed to when you're like, it's not really they're not called collectors. No, it's a collection. That's it's the same thing. Um, that said, I am <laughs> yeah, now that I've shat on you. Let me move it, on to my point. Go ahead. I think collecting collecting and collections are bullshit. Mm. Mike and I are actually not too far apart. And while I don't, I'm not as anti-materialist or, or I have hoarding tendencies and all that sort of stuff. I apologize to the audio only listeners because uh, I've been showing off a lot of my, my bad habits here on the, on the video feed. But, um, but I, I agree with a lot of what he says. And uh, I think that, uh, that collecting, comes from 
a, a natural place in the sense that I feel that all humans want to. I feel that it's been it's it's encouraged and has been encouraged throughout my life anyway to various degrees. Um, and I don't I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why it's been encouraged. I, I think it's just people feel all feel it and it's a common element of bonding but it's something that can have a dark side people can obsess over it easily mike did a really good job earlier of breaking down the different types of collectibles um and uh and i think that it just makes you realize how mushy how mushy it is and how you have people that are like obsessing over things or devoting their lives to things uh in an in an unhealthy manner and then, and then you have other people that are building collections for museums and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. in 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 a much more positive manner. So it's yeah. very difficult to to just go go out and say that that it is flat out good or flat out bad. And the final thing I I, I will say is that is that uh, in terms of like my own, having my own personal collection, I like surrounding myself with things. Um, because they make me feel good for whatever reason, like they remind me of those things. But it isn't out of a collecting, like a, 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 a gotta catch them all Pokemon mentality, which I think is 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 a is a common is a common thing, and I think everybody has to a certain degree. Anyway, I'm repeating myself. It's bullshit. There it is. Okay, now I'm up. Ooh boy, collecting. All right. Um, I think you guys, I feel like this show took on a kind of a negative tone a little bit. I mean, I think it was mostly, it was fair and balanced, but there was, you know, uh, it seemed to me that we're all individuals who are aware that there's a price to be paid for having stuff, whether it's through conversation with your partner, such as Crofton's having it, but with, about decluttering or having a, a, a hermit like stoic philosophy of you don't own stuff stuff owns you uh that mike has on display and i find myself agreeing with both of you but also really kind of digging the passion of people who who do like who do really love a thing whether it's a commercial product or art or toenail clippings or whatever it may be i think it's cool that people are into things and i feel like you know we should be encouraging people not to be like to not not have cool stuff because we can make cool stuff and and to just kind of either be so salty and bitter that we don't bother with these things and they're not worth it like i feel like the things we make can be worth it and and i feel like part of the way that passion for certain things expresses itself is in collecting in collecting things um but i am with you guys in the sense that like I got rid of magic cards and whenever I feel like it's kind of like shaving my beard. When you start to get a lot of it, you want the beard to go down a bit. I like having some hair on my face, but I don't want a ton of hair. And that's just my own personal balance that I keep. I try to keep with the stuff, the physical things that I have. Um, but I think that's down to a matter of preference. If you buy yourself a house and turn it into a museum to He-Man figurines, then, then you're beautiful. So I'm going to say that uh, collecting is good. Don't think everything's good. <laughs> That's not true. I mean, I do appreciate your pos- your positive. Uh, you you do bring a lot of positive spin to stuff, and I do appreciate that, Bo. 
Yeah, it's more a, it's more a, like not completely for me. Like if you look behind me, there's a ton of we don't play Dungeons and Dragons that much anymore. But there's like a full shelf of books. It's my D and D collection. It pains me to think of not having that. I like that I have that <laughs> stuff. But but not not one of the three of us. And I think this was reflected in Bo's comments. Not one of the three of us are active collectors. You know, the kind that are going out there trying to fill a collection but, but or, I, yeah, or seeking. Yeah, but I mean, and I know it's kid stuff, but I I really feel like I was. I feel like a good point, yeah. portion of my, like, what's that age of youth from, like, I don't know, 9 to 13? That age, I was like, I, I wanted kid. to, yeah, tweens. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, where I was like, I wanted to collect the things, and I would go to, like, flea markets and look for old comic books and whatever. But, yeah. It's funny. Childhood is seemingly divided in collections. I, I'm just remembering some now. Like I had a Hardy Boys collection yeah. of, <laughs> of, of books. I had, a, but but yeah, like it, I was over at my mom's place a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know, there's she's not getting any younger, and at one point, who knows, may even downsize. I don't, I don't know, but there's a lot of stuff in that house, and there's like they they. They inherited, I think, a China collection, you know, like buying China. And I can't remember ever using it. And it's in this giant antique China cabinet. And my mom sort of made a joke about it, essentially. And I remember we were never able, we were never supposed to open it and be like, oh, that's the antique buying China. And, you know, it may very well be antique, but it's, it's, it's a good example of like collecting for no purpose except to take up room, you know, and to, and to have on display in this. So anyway, if if you have uh, opinions on collecting, maybe you are an avid stamp collector and want to tell us all about it. Please don't. Uh, you can reach us at goodbad uh, at Gmail on Gmail at goodbadbull, goodbadbull at gmail.com. God, I butchered that one. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at GoodBadBull. Uh, we would love it if you would subscribe to our show on iTunes or on the Google Play uh, Store. Good, bad, or bullshit. Uh, good, bad, or bullshit. You can give us reviews on all of those uh, storefronts. Five stars, preferably. Your comments are welcome. Tell all your friends. We want to grow. We want people to engage with us and talk to us. We want to collect them. And, and then display them on some sort of virtual shelf. Um, and uh, and if you go to goodbadbull.com, you can you can view sort of all our archived episodes, all our stuffs on there. Bo does a great little write up with awesome pictures. I can't wait to see what he's going to choose this week for this episode. We're also all individuals of an individual nature, and you can uh, you can follow us online individually. Uh, let's start with Old Spice, Mike. Where can people follow you? I know from good authority you just wrote a tweet. I did. I did make a tweet at uh, at ML Hodgins <laughs> and uh, and Axe Body Spray. You can find Axe smell the nice smelling of the bunch on Twitter at Bo Schwartz. And you can follow me at Croft and Steers on Twitter. Uh, it's funny. This is a part of the show where I would normally ask you guys something about like, so what's the weirdest thing you collected or whatever? But I feel like we've we've gone over our collections well, in pretty great you, detail. You, 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 when you talked about your mom, it made me yeah. think, so my aunt, who has no children, and I'm like her godson, and my, my brother and I are closer, collects a lot of things. And the thing that, it, when you said the fine china, I thought of, I just thought of my aunt's massive case, uh, well, she has a couple of them, but of, do you know what humbles are? Hummels? No. 
<laughs> well, Google it. They're like these little, I don't, little, I guess they're made of glass or porcelain or something. They look like children in kind of these like doing things. Like you'll see a little boy with a shovel and there's a snowman beside him and it's made of like glass and it's painted nice. She has like hundreds of these things and they have this particular little like cute little like toddlers doing stuff. A lot of them are like that. And and I and I'm, and I'm thinking like when she downsizes, there's like oh, I, I just hummels. saw what they look like. You sorry. saw what hummels look yeah. like. My aunt has hundreds of hummels. <laughs> like, what are we gonna do with those hummels? And those actually, I mean, I don't know that they're worth anything, but I know that she paid enough to get them all. And yeah, they look like they're worth a lot. Like the sponsored link on Google when I searched has the cheapest one here at a hundred bucks, and then up it to three hundred and ten. Yeah, they're collectible. So I mean, I don't know what her collection's worth, but she likes it. And I'm like, I don't want to curate that thing when it's gone. But, but yeah. Oh man, yeah. That that is crazy. There's so many weird collectibles and like things that are dedicated for collecting. Like there's uh, especially those little figurines. There's army, you know, uh, oh, so army man train sets. Like train sets have been just, a big sort of. And also just think about like I mean this is it, it's it seems like it's more women, but it's men too. Like clothing types of clothing, like shoe collections. Some people. That's true. You talked about this colleague years who's got a shoe collection. Yeah, she totally does. And I'm like, that boggles my mind, you know? Like, if, if one thing that I realized recently about Facebook was it, you know, when it says, like, this memory of you eight years ago, and then I'll look at it and be like, uh, I just wore that t shirt yesterday. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, I do not shop for clothes often. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not guilty of having a clothes collection. I was actually thinking about that today where I was uh, – the exact sort of similar thought about how how like when we do this podcast, sometimes I think about what shirt I'm wearing because I'm like, man, I probably have worn the same shirt a zillion times, especially I do exclamation mark with Bo, uh, which you can follow at EXM Podcast. Um, but uh, I'm doing the video on that and I'm often wearing like dark t-shirts or whatever and I'm sure people know my whole wardrobe. Meanwhile, I'm thinking of celebrities like Kanye West and if they ever wear the same shirt twice or the same pair of shoes, like what their wardrobes must look like and how, you know, it's no, ridiculous. They, they, they wear their shirt and they put it in a second area where it gets used as toilet paper and they... Oh, I thought you were going to sell. They sell it on eBay. They just take it but off. Then and they it. sell it's it on eBay. Steve That's the third pile. But, or you do like the, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, in like a black turtleneck and that's it. Yeah, yes. but he never wears the same black turtleneck or he didn't. He didn't. He's not. Whatever. Bad. You wouldn't know the difference if it was the same one. I think Mike's not far from that. You think he he wore the same one everywhere and he was humble guy? No, he was not humble, I don't think. <laughs> no. I think Mike at one point is going to be like, I just need a uniform for life and we'll just be <laughs> like, I need to paint my entire walls white and move all my stuff to the curb. I I always like Jerry Seinfeld's like on the on his show. In the future when we're all wearing the one-piece silver things with the V. <laughs> I'm like, yep. <laughs> Everyone wears the same thing. I'm like, whatever. You don't have to think I, I like the idea that Mike hears that and he doesn't find it funny. He's like, yeah, hmm, this is... <laughs> it's living. not a bad idea. I, I can see where this I is going. Like this one, one piece of like silver. <laughs> uh, 
you to tell your friends that if there's one op- episode for them to watch the VOD, this is it. So get them to watch the video so version. So you can see Indiana Jones. So you can see a VHS copy of Indiana yeah. Jones. And, and, and you, get, like, you get to see real oh, manga No books. one's ever seen that before. Look, the book opens the wrong way. Make, make me an offer. Make me an offer. I'll, I'll listen. <laughs> Are you a fan of the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast? Consider supporting the show by becoming one of our valued patrons at patreon.com. For as little as the cost of one cup of coffee a month, your generous support will help keep the random topic generator oiled and fueled for future generations. Find out more at patreon.com slash goodbadbull.